0: You are listening to something rather than nothing. Creator and host Ken Vellante. Editor and producer Peter Bauer.
1: Hey everybody, this is Ken Vellante with the something rather than nothing podcast and I am so excited to have Elizabeth Copeland who, my goodness, uh, recent uh, premiere of her play, uh, "Families in Town, going to see it. Um, Elizabeth, welcome to the show and tell us what you're up to right now.
0: Well, great. Well, thank you, Ken. Uh, well, actually, right now, I just finished feeding my family from the um, the ever-popular uh, Cats Delicatessen that is just down the street here in New York, an icon. But uh, my play, Till Death, opened off-Broadway last Thursday night, as you mentioned. It's at Theater Row on 42nd Street between 9th and 10th, and it will be there till December 23rd. And it's a, an Abington Theater production, directed by Chad Austin, that I'm I'm very very proud of. It's it's not an easy topic. It's about it's the story of an elderly woman's last day and uh, her family who has come to give her a, a peaceful death, and um, and what transpires in that 24-hour period. And it is loosely based on about four different deaths that uh, that I have. So I don't want to say a part of because it, it sounds like I'm, you know, not killing yeah, people, but yeah. but that I've actually, you know, been at people's bedsides and and so forth. Uh, I work with my nonprofit Grief Dialogues. I've worked with a lot of death doulas and hospice nurses and so forth. So uh, my personal experiences have have been um, uh, sort of uh, uh, illustrated even more by some of their stories they shared with me. So it, it's a tough topic, and it deals with. Uh, dysfunctional families, as I would say, ninety nine percent of most families are, just to various degrees, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, but there's, I try to do it with with some um, for some with some grace and some dignity and humor, and some surprises. And That's kind of what theater is all about. So yes, it's called Till Death.
1: Yeah, that's our that's our intro. I, I wanted to I wanted to uh, thank you so much for doing that. I mean, the one of the media things I, I, I thought of um, was around like it, within within philosophy early on um, Plato uh said that you know philosophy is just a contemplation of death right so right. you know there's this there's this idea if you look at existential philosophy you know what what the humans have to deal with the one crass fact of the high cost of living uh, and, and 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 death so yes. um and 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 just to hear your your work um on a on a podcast um brief dialogues and talking about this so i'm thinking talking in, in 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 doing this how how difficult was it for you because i see an artist is courageous i see you doing this is courageous how difficult was it to you know the purse the personal then out there and then saying Let's deal with somebody's last day. What What's all that? What's well, that like?
0: Uh, it, it It's very interesting because when it was just personal and, and how this play kind of came about in the first place, there were three different deaths that I was dealing with at one time and at, at one particular time. And what I found, though, was... If I tried to talk to my friends or my co-workers about what I just experienced, like, for example, the loss of my cousin to ovarian cancer, and uh, my sister and I were by her bedside for the last 10 days and so forth. When I went back to work, you know, people often assume when you're gone that you're gone on vacation, right? And so so they say, oh, how was the vacation? Well, uh, <laughs> I yeah, on deathbed of somebody. Yeah. And as soon as I said that, it, they just like, Oh, I gotta go. You know they. You know I just kind of got this cold shoulder or a lot of very uncomfortable behaviors, and I really couldn't talk to anyone about this very natural and one hundred percent going to happen to everybody activity called death, right? And dying. Yeah, and yeah. and I just it was so frustrating, and and so. So not being able to share my personal story with anyone, or even to you know, even some of my best friends, they would kind of you know, oh yeah, tell me more. But then if I would say things like, oh, it was so beautiful, it was like, wait a minute, your cousin died, and you're saying it's beautiful. How is that beautiful? You know, and yeah. so it, it just wasn't. Even if I could talk to them, it seemed like it wasn't resonating in the way I wanted to really be able to share it. So I turned to actually writing dialogue that then went, oh, I guess this is a play. I've been a theater buff forever. I actually was in New York City right after graduating from high school, thinking I'd be an actress. Um, My favorite line about that is, one day I realized I could eat or I could pay rent. I could not do both. So got a college degree and, <laughs> and went into marketing, but I've always written. So, so the art literally, you know, we have a motto out of grief comes art and literally the art, the plays came out of, of loss and not being able to talk about it on a personal level. For the most part with grief dialogues, I, it's been great to share because I've written some short plays, but for the grief dialogues, the play cycle, I have brought in other playwrights and short plays from them. so, so any given production of the Grief Dialogues is generally six short plays de- depicting various scenarios around dying, death, and grief. And some of them are funny, and some of them are serious, and some of them are fantastical, and you know, some of them are really realistic. Uh, something that little, everyone can experience. And so we have the that play that usually runs about 90 minutes, maybe a little less. And then we have a talk back, always a talk back. And people don't have to stay, there's a little intermission, but there's a talk back. And it can be with a, a grief counselor or a social worker or a hospice worker, or uh, just, just all sorts of people. And I would say for the most part, 80% of the audience stays for those talks backs. And it really, and they can share their stories, they can ask questions. And that has really just been uh, the most rewarding experience. We were doing that quite successfully Uh, just prior to the pandemic. We had also pivoted to working with hospitals and and, uh, palliative care doctors, for example. And so we were doing the show with Virginia Mason Hospital in Seattle with the University of Washington Medical School. And we were just about to go to Detroit to do Ford Hospital, work with Ford Hospital when the pandemic hit. Uh, So needless to say, that. Came crashing down what i i did do was i pivoted and took some of those plays and turned them into zoom plays and we would go into some conversations this time not with medical providers because those people you know they did could not even uh yeah uh, you know, but they were so busy with all the COVID, they, yeah. they just didn't have time to do that but but i offered it to the general public and and for about a year or so it was very very successful. We had a lot of people tuning in. I did it with an organization called Reimagine. That that was great. Uh, but then that even became a little cumbersome because it, it's a it's a lot of work to t- take a play and put it on Zoom and make it work on Zoom and then yeah. have the talkbacks on Zoom. So that's when I went back to working on a full-length play script that I had, or that I would workshopped in 2017. And I then spent 21 and 22, reworking that script, and then finally working with the Abington Theatre starting this year to, to, to mount it off-Broadway. And I, I tell you this story because one of the things that I've noticed is this is meant to be just a straight-on play. Um, and the critics haven't been very kind, and I will be honest that I think in a large part is because they're not comfortable with the topic. They're not comfortable with talking of death in the mm-hmm. way that we that we present it. Um, because the people who come to see it who are who are more experienced, whether it's just that they've had loss in their own life or they're therapists themselves, they seem to really appreciate the play. We're gonna have a talk back this Tuesday with Ken Ross. Ken is the son of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who is the founder of the death and dying movement, really, and all her books. And I already noticed, I kind of went on just before we uh, we jumped on this podcast here, to see ticket sales, and we're at, we are sold out. So yeah, yeah. I, I actually think that as much as I would like to think that people want to experience death in art in general, that they really want to talk about it even more uh, because of the the interest we have and in, in the talk back with Ken Ross. So I yeah. know so anyway, that's kind of the story of how it came, came to be, but out of grief comes art really is, is my motto. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And congratulations uh, oh, for having you. that going <laughs> and, and being in the, in the mix of, you know, I think it is, you know, I'm on the outside, so you would experience, you know, the reaction in a different way. But I would say from the outside, just seeing that, yeah, I I think uh, I think a, a patron going in, you know, it, it's not just a, a passing thing. And has right. a psycho- psychological resonance to the material that that they're going to interact with. So it isn't uh, it's something different. Right. It's something, something different. Is
0: something. It is, and and what I will say again with the lovely creative process, if if you see the key art, which is a the key art is a elderly woman with long flowing gray hair. It's yeah, it's beautiful, a, a black yeah. and gay, It's gorgeous. The title yeah. till death. I mean, we're not we're not painting a picture of coming to see Spam a lot. You know, I mean, you really <laughs> have to realize that you're coming to something that's a little dark, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so sometimes the yeah. reaction I'm like, well, yeah, I didn't think this was going to be a song and dance number, did you? So. So, uh, but, but yeah, and it resonates with people. Last night, actually, um, uh, the performance, at, at the see, it's eight scenes, and during scene eight, I heard a lot of sniffling. So to me also, that's a good thing, because I also feel it's kind of cathartic. I've had a number of people tell me that they really appreciated coming to the play, because during COVID, they lost loved ones, not necessarily to COVID, but but they lost and they couldn't be by their bedsides. And so that was actually cathartic being on, a, on a bedside by this woman on the stage. It was actually a, a wonderful uh you know just really resonated with some people. So
1: yeah, I I think it could be, <laughs> re- I think it could be really helpful. I uh um uh, just a, in a in a recent period like late summer through fall uh lost some lost some folks in 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 and mm. some um uh, and some uh, su- surprises and it was um it was you know there was a reaction for me almost mm-hmm. like uh, ducking and hiding like i wanna right. just be like no no more no more no more incoming and um right. but but I, I think you doing this is 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 really a spectacular thing I would say just mm-hmm. without going deeper into it i i would say that uh the topic is one of um you know one of which i wish to learn more and become more resilient um and, right. and so, so i appreciate your work on that i wanted to mm-hmm. ask you elizabeth uh going back you talked a little bit about your bumping up against art and being artistic <laughs> when did when did you when did you see yourself as an artist as an uh, an artistic um, person
0: well actually that's a, that's an interesting question i would have said when I was 13 when my mother forced me to take a class in drama because I was too shy. But in um, sharing uh, with you earlier, I, I'm going to change that answer because I wrote a short story in the third grade that people, I had to read it out loud in class, and people really, really enjoyed it. And I remember, and I stood up in front of the class, and I remember not only the story, but the, although I don't remember the actual story, but, but what I do remember was the fun and the exhilaration of standing up and reading something that I could feel that my classmates were, were you know, like really leaning into. And I guess that's a little bit of performance art right there. So yeah. I'm going to say at an early age, I really did enjoy the arts in this case, maybe more dramatic art, but even as I got older and, and didn't have time for performance art, I loved to write. So, so I write yeah. personal essays, just all kinds of things. And, and I had a 40 year career in marketing. So I did a lot of writing around that, uh, not, necess- not necessarily artistic writing, but definitely, you know, you have to be pretty creative in writing, marketing, and advertising. Copies.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I wanted to mention something on that. It's just a realization mm-hmm. I had recently that, um, you know, because I, I, I want to always do more writing creatively. And I work mm-hmm. as a... I work as a union rep in my, in my day job. And I, all I do is all I do is process and write. And I will remember, I remember thinking one time, like, I was like, Oh man, shit, I ain't doing any writing. Like you know? And I, I, I reminded myself like this, like, um, it was, it, it's technical, there's creative flourishes. I write, I put a lot of effort into it in making my argument. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you're, you're, you're keeping up those, you know, if you want to write something else, that's fine. But I, you know, that type of writing, I think sometimes we forget about that. And, and, right. and the, deep, you know, the deep, like you are mm-hmm. writing, you're writing and harnessing those skills and you just got to kind of transform over. I think a lot of people, I, I mean, I didn't even think about that overtly. I think a lot of people miss how they're working their muscles, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you, Elizabeth, what is art?
0: What is art? That's a good question.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: boy. I should have really thought about that one. To, to me, art is anything that, well, not anything, but art is something that comes from the heart, whether it's a melody or a poem, you know, words, or my sister is a, an artist in, you know, she paints and she, she draws beautiful work, beautiful work. And I could think it's anything that if you, if it, it's in your heart, and your head, and you put it in some sort of external form. Um, I don't. I don't. If you just have your the ideas percolating in your head, those are ideas. That that's not art. To me, art has to be literally a physical, some sort of creative process, physical process that takes what's in your head and puts it into some tangible form, uh, whether it's sheet music or or whatever. So, so yeah, I think that's taking ideas and and presenting them in such a way that other people can, that it feels approachable to other people, I
1: think. I, I like <laughs> yeah. that. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. I wanted to ask you uh, within Till Till Death, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously a, a big project. you want to mention uh, some of the folks you have working on making this thing yes real? Well, I'll, yeah. um, well, I'll start with the Abington Theatre Company itself.
0: Uh, Chad Austin is the director and he is uh, called... I. A producing director, and if you go to the Abington Theater Company's website, they right there on the homepage it says "Brave New Work," and and they really embraced this, and, and Chad in, in particular. So when he not only saw the script and cast the script, um, and we have uh, Tony Award winners Judy Kay, uh, Bob Cachole, we have TV veteran Amy Hargreaves on it, we have young Michael Lee Brown who is, he was uh, Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway for quite a while. We have Whitney Morris, um, who's making her off-Broadway debut. Uh, We have Dom LaRue for Jr. Those are the six cast members. They're incredible. But the play really becomes an entire piece of art to me because Chad is not only taking my words and casting it with those people and putting my words in their mouths and telling them how to move, but he's put it on a stage that is a work of art. The set is not, I mean, I wrote the play to be set in a living room. I originally thought it would be in a community theater, maybe regional theater if I was lucky, and it would just be a simple living room set, lights up, lights down. Well, once Chad got a hold of it, it was uh, much more uh, representational. And the set itself, I I am, uh, I. I can send you some pictures. it's almost yeah. like a maze um, of stucco walls that on which they do projections. So, oh my goodness! Of, of and what is so cool is because the, the, there's a theme in the script about photo albums. But rather than have actual photo albums mounting and piling up, which is the way I originally had it, he's got the photos being projected on the, these these um, walls of the set. Now, what's really cool about that is. He asked the actual actors to send the designer photos from various, their various ages. So when you see, for example, there is um, a picture of, of Lucy, the character of Lucy, played by Amy Hargraves, when she's 18. Well, the picture that's up there is actually a picture... Of Amy Hargreaves at eighteen. That's incredible.
1: Right? I uh, love that. And then uh,
0: and it references that she in the play is reference, for example, that she's in a photo that they're looking at uh, uh, wearing a green uh, green jacket, I believe. So the artist has taken that photo of eighteen-year-old Amy Hargreaves and and photoshopped a, a green jacket onto it, so it looks like it's exactly what she's looking at in the album. Um, The characters of the the mother, Mary, and her husband, Michael, they they recently married. So what someone has, again, the designer's done, is taken a a picture of Mary looking very lovely and Michael looking very handsome, The, the actors. And then photoshopping together so it looks like an actual wedding picture. So really using the own the actor's own image is not just, just representational, but they're actual images at a certain point in their life and making it into this this family's uh, photo album, which is just incredible. And then the additional thing is because the character Anne, is kind of, the story is kind of told through Anne's eyes, and she is a, a an artist. She's a, like a... a portrait painter if you will. And so they've also done some some original portraits of the characters that then kind of are also are projected onto these the set. So again, you look at this then the set itself Ch- Chad chose a palette of grays and blues, very soft kind of muted colors and everything on the stage is that. So the chairs are are gray and the sofa is a light gray and and the the costumes it's set in present day but the costumes they're they're the people are the characters are wearing navy and and off-white and, and it just all looks like this lovely i don't know i was i was a big fan of picasso's blue period of
1: Oh Sandus. my goodness. Yes. It reminds me of
0: that. It, although now I know more about Picasso and I'm not a big fan of Picasso's, but I am a big fan of Picasso's blue era, blue phase, blue era. I'm so it's called. Yeah. But that's yeah. what this set reminds me of. It definitely reminds me of just an overall work of art. And then you have the acting, and then and then my words is only to me it feels like just one eighth of the whole thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, anyway, I just I Yeah, you almost have to to
1: believe it. Well, it is, it is, it it is exciting. I I love to hear you know, kind of like the animate. I think a lot of times, at least on my show, when something comes together, I like to 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 know how it comes together and the hands that are in there. And 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 I can't imagine like the vision that you have. Like I get excited like as far as the artists. Like when you work in collaboration, and you had an idea of what that room would be, and when you saw. You know what that had developed you'd be like wait a second what is yeah. all you know like that somebody is kind of developing out and creating a way of seeing and that's that's yeah, the exactly piece. working together on art that's the big thing you know behind my show like uh Ooh. it's all about a collective so i like uh Ooh. you know all i do is every day is i just organize people to to, to make things better or to stick up for themselves and then right. you know when you when you see it with art when you see what, like an uh, organizing around art and when people get together and create the bigger the create the bigger thing there's just so much great energy it could go in different directions you know right. it, it it can bump together and crash and burn and not happen or it could come together in uh, and bring in, and I saw that the incredible cast. I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine you like sitting back again, then seeing the set, and being like, "Whoa, like Whoa. Cast, cast this thing too." So yeah, uh, yeah.
0: now I, I should add that they uh, the chat actually also brought in some um, uh, original music. There's some original music to this this piece, which again, I didn't think, or it didn't cross my mind, but the sound is very important. He brought that in. The cast has been extraordinary. And, and again, the collaborative spirit that just jumped out of this project became, uh, to me, just very vital. So it got cast. Now, the, the actors that were cast brought to it certain talents. That maybe I did not explore in my character development. So then one of my jobs was to go back and take the script and and upgrade, if you will, some of the dialogue uh, between the characters because now I have this, you know, in, in, in the case of uh, of Judy Kay, for example, I have this wonderful um, sensitive musical actress who really puts forth this, this loving mother. Uh, vibe uh, without any effort and now I can work with that a little bit more and and originally that role actually didn't have much dialogue but now I have an actor that can really handle the tough dialogue so that I had an opportunity to play with that the other one that I played a lot with that I enjoyed so Michael E Brown is a young man as I mentioned he was in Dear Evan Hansen now I have, a, his character is Nick, and he's 16 years old. But this is a young actor that's really, really talented. So he had just minor dialogue, really. And now I have this great actor. So that role is completely changed, much more substantial than what I had originally written, because of who who was cast in it. And, and Bob Catoli was the original character of Michael was supposed to be very curmudgeon and kind of a villain. And then all of a sudden I've got this debonair, you know, Tony-nominated musical <laughs> theater guy that nobody was going to believe was a villain, right? Nobody. So then I had the really hard task of, of changing that character to fit with the actor. And it actually, I, I, I'll be honest, at first I resisted because for the last, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: what, five years, that has been a curmudgeonly, old man, but uh, once I got into it, I realized that by it, uh, embracing the actor in this role, I could actually make the script even richer.
1: So you I could let the uh, old him. character. You could let the old character die. Yeah, you had some truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, am. Yeah, it's it is it is great to hear. I, I tell you too. Um, just as far as my my experience of it, um uh, uh, the great, uh, PR person, Andrea Alton introduced, uh, us oh, yes. to each other. And, um, you know, I tell you, it's been so, so wonderful, um, uh, to connect with her and to connect with these plays. I'm originally, uh, from out in Rhode Island. So I, oh, uh, okay. yeah. So I live out in in Oregon now, but there's, uh, you know, whenever, um, you know I've been able to bump up with the show up against Broadway and it's exciting it's exciting to me because you know knowing the city you mentioned cats Delicatessen. and I was thinking yeah. of Yona Schimmel's uh, Kanishas over there uh, um, like so my brain jumped, jumped uh, <laughs> and it, uh, let's stop, let's pause there. Yona Schimmel's still around over there in Brooklyn? Uh, I
0: don't know. I, okay. reason, I, I, I lived here back in the seventies and I, I
1: gotcha. So I, Sch- <laughs> yeah. I remember you could, I remember the good thing was cause I was, it was my early twenties. Didn't have any money in New York city. In case you haven't heard folks is rather expensive, <laughs> okay. but, um, but, yeah. uh, you could go, you could go to Jonas Schimmel's. You can get a bag of Knickers and uh, s- yeah. some mustard and salt and pepper, and you could go for a good day and a half, two days oh, <laughs> with least, that meal.
0: <laughs> at least a good day and a half. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's sickly ribs food. <laughs>
1: uh, so good uh, the the sights and sounds and smells mm. of uh, New York City. Um, mm. Elizabeth, uh, mm. the 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 role of art. What What do you think the mm. role of art is? I mean, uh, what what oh, should it, it be done. doing for us?
0: You know, to me that's that's probably the most important thing other than, you know, food and love. I think the next category would be art because well, I'll give you I'll give you a example. I'm I'm just finished reading this book called Chatter and it talks about how being in nature calms calms your, and I don't know about you, but I always got chatter going on and it's not in my brain and it's not necessarily helpful. Uh, But by being in nature, just your, your whole body just kind of relax. But the cool thing is you don't have to like go to the woods. You can actually get the same effect according to this book by looking at a painting. Of the woods or the seaside or you know be, so you can be among art you can go to the Met and have the same thing happen or you can you know so you can experience art the same thing with music it can it can excite you it can calm you down there's just so many ways that that art actually gets in your bones in a positive way that I think that really yeah, food food water air kind of category and love we we all need love and and if you then have art in some form, um, that, that's what life's all about to me. And yeah. I think it's also a way, I think a lot of people will say to me, actually, they'll say, oh, you're so creative. I'm not that creative. And I often say, you know, baloney on that. You're creative in some way. You just maybe don't know quite what your outlet might be. But um, there's, there's all kinds of ways. You don't have to write the great American novel. You could write a you know, haiku poem or you could doodle. You know, it doesn't even have to be fine art. Just anything that kind of releases whatever you're feeling, you know, emotional, stress. Um, I have a friend who, who does the coloring books. She loves to color. And that that's yeah, fine, yeah. too. You know, it doesn't have to be fine art, I guess is what I'm saying. But I think it's vital. I think art, I think the role of art It's so sad that one of the things is schools, when they look to cut budgets, the first thing they do is they cut art. And that is... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is just so wrong because kids. So many times I see kids that you know put them put them on the stage, put them backstage, learning learning a trade. Yeah, uh, you know, doing some sort of art form. It's, I've seen it transform a lot of kids who are troubled, or a lot of kids are having trouble processing things they're going through. If they have some sort of art expression, it's
1: just yeah. You
0: know, I could go on for days, and I no, think I. <laughs> Studies, I I, I
1: agree because, you know, and part of it too with art, it's, there's, you know, this process of making, doing, you know, with, within it, that can be part of your art practice, but you can also experience the art, whatever it is in and of itself as a complete right. experience. And, you know, I find, you know, the show, you know, my, the, the show, you know, doing art philosophy mm-hmm. and I, I say art philosophy and liberation people. Right.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Tr- tr- trying to find who they are and, and, and and state who they are. But yeah, I, uh, you know, part of the thing I mentioned, you know, my, my labor rep work, well, I'm labor rep in K to 12 schools and, (sighs) you know, you know, so, so here's, here's, here's the thing. It, it absolutely destroys me and kills me when we look at just the amount of students, the way they come about things, their diverse talents, neurodiversity, uh, all, ev- everything all around. And we haven't fixed this, but we got a narrow corridor of uh, hit these basics and, you know, testing the basics. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we, we, we just completely ignore neuroscience and what music sticking your hands in glue and paper Ooh. and plays and you know kids are suffering so it, for me I agree with you it isn't just a oh I remember our society did this or did it ever do this right kids literally aren't being served no. by not having those options because they're not able to develop. And that's the sh- that just pisses me off about this. Yes, system. It's, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Me yeah. too.
0: Me too. And, you know, I I, mean, I think now, I mean, I'm not going to say I would be living on the streets necessarily, but who I would have been if, if I didn't have a robust theater program to have gone into when I was 13. And, and uh, you know, what what would I... You know, I, I probably would have been happens? Gone, but... but You know, I just, I shudder to think, because I was very shy, so I don't think I would have accomplished what I have, not just in my art, but, you know, I I had a good 40-year marketing career, you know, uh, my husband and I had our own business, raised two sons, they're now grown, and so forth. I have a level of confidence, I feel, that I gained by, by that drama class when I was 13, you know, so to think kids don't have those opportunities now is just heartbreaking to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah and you know and one of the things there's a lot of people uh a lot of people fight for it and you know for me when it comes to the human brain Ooh. uh the human brain just just needs a whole bunch of different angles and color the things you talked about feeling better right. with 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 colors seeing things mm-hmm. um i wanted to uh, i wanted to uh ask uh ask you and so I got, I, it's a little bit different. Like, so there's the big, the big question, why is there something rather than nothing? Right. right. And, 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 you know, I don't want to mix it up or anything like that, but I think like in some of the things we're talking about, you know, mortality, finitude, uh death. And like I said this the Plato saying, you know, philosophy this contemplation of death, this brute this brute fact. Um and I think that the question I ask is 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 about creation, but it's also about uh meaning. And mm-hmm. you know, so for for I wanted to, I wanted to ask you like Mm -hmm. the question itself is either two ways. Why is there something rather than nothing or, uh, upon death, is there something or nothing? Right, right. Um,
0: actually those are both very good questions. I will take the second one because actually my play goes into that topic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, without giving too much away, there there is a scene between Mary, the elderly woman who is dying, and her sixteen year old grandson. And Nick, the grandson, asks Mary if uh, if she believes in heaven. I believe, and and he, because his father does not, his father does not believe in heaven and and he jokingly says yeah my dad believes when you're dead you're dead you know and that usually gets a big laugh from the audience um mary responds with that she's not quite sure if she believes in heaven but what she does believe is that a person's spirit lives on and that that spirit is there to guide help and guide those left behind and and she says to nick something like and i will be with you when i'm when i'm And he just really, he loves the idea of his grandmother. They have a very special relationship. He shares his secrets with her and always has and that sort of thing. So to to think that your loved one is still there, I think, whether it's uh, nothing out of something or something out of nothing, I think that that's really, that there is definitely something after the end again i'm not sure if it's you know eternal reward but but there's a presence i know myself one of the reasons i i wrote this play is i often feel the presence of my father and or my mother who are very, two very different personalities. So Mm -hmm. to have them kind of, you know, in the room behind me when I'm dealing with an issue or even being creative, you know, I can channel my mom. I just think that, I just feel their presence a lot. And in the play, Nick's mom, Lucy, who's a trial attorney says that, uh, that she feels the presence of her dad who died many years ago, that strong presence and conf- that confident presence, she feels him when she's in court, when she's in a trial. She feels, you know, feels her dad. So I definitely think that even that there's not nothing. There's definitely something afterwards, and it may just be the the spirit of someone you care about is is walking alongside you, particularly in times of stress. I
1: think that's really important. I love that. I'm I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear you say that, 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 mm-hmm. that presence. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it just seems like on the question, you know, something rather than nothing, life and death yeah. and afterlife. Um, I've talked to so many people, you can't tell a human being that they can't feel something <sighs> or somebody near yeah. them You can't, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't, you can't, you can't tell humans that. And mm-hmm. I don't, know, whatever that mystery is, that's uh that, that, that feels pretty right. super uh, so uh everybody uh, we've been talking with uh, Elizabeth Copeland and uh, just chatting uh, and one of the things I'm really excited to hear about as as we finish up here Elizabeth is just kind of like where 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 folks uh, can you know find uh, you know the the, the play, your art, sure. um, where people would be like, hey, I want to learn some more. Oh, in the podcast, in the podcast yes. as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, the best place to go is griefdialogues.com. And if you click on the tab that says art, there's a drop down box and it has uh, stories. We take submissions for people who write stories or poems, uh, we've also had some artwork on there. We take those submissions so you can see all of those under stories. But we also had there's a journal where I often write a blog post. There's a link to a couple of movies. One I wrote, one called Honoring Choices, uh, one I was executive producer on called 8 AM. There's a link to the play, Till Death. If you're in the New York area, it is running at Theater Row on 42nd Street until December 23rd. Uh, and after that, we'll have a link to where it is, too. There will also be licensing opportunities for it. It's a short play. It's about 75 minutes, so it lends itself really well to being performed and then having an opportunity for people to discuss it. That's really what I wanted. What my, I like my plays to be about the discussion process. So going to griefdialogues.com, click on all the things. You can learn more about me. You can contact me. It'll have all the art. It'll have the podcast under art. Um, and some resources we we partner with a lot of great organizations to give additional information on different additional help for people who need you know whether it's grief counseling or um, uh, medical aid uh, information on medical aid and dying which is is legal in 11 states Uh, there's you know how to how to set up an advanced uh, advanced care program that sort of thing just a little bit of everything but um when you come to come to it we do have a very i hope i hope people will go to even if it's just to the home because we have a beautiful sort of video of splashes of color and then the term out of grief comes art so it's really just a very soothing fun thing to look at just come to our website and check it out
1: love it what was the website again
0: grief dot com
1: thank you thank you so much um Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, Elizabeth. uh, So nice to chat with you. Um, And again, uh, big, big shout out to Andrea Alton. I mean, I know for me, put me close, close proximity uh, to 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 Broadway, and uh, it's it's clear, Elizabeth, to chat with you. You've been doing philosophy your whole life, so (laughs) (laughs) you know philosophy and meeting and all these big questions and um, just you know, really congratulations for. I mean, and, and Putting any art out there is oh, you
0: a, have to. It's uh, a
1: it's it's a big thing.
0: It's like ripping open your chest. To be honest with you, and a lot of people take pot shots. Pot shots, especially if they're not comfortable with your topic. But yeah. um, but I'm glad I did. I, I am yeah. glad I did. I'm hoping more people will talk about you know about life and death and what's important to them um, another big theme for me for this play is saying goodbye and realizing that you don't have to be like near someone who's dying to say goodbye they may be already gone and you there's no time limit on on saying goodbye and saying i love you and that's really what this play to me is all about
1: that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. i've uh in, in conclusion i've had a uh a guest on uh Lauren Lauren Rhodes and uh, Lauren is 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 really incredible does uh like a lot of cemetery stuff and dealing with death and art around that but um she had a magazine for a while that it really kind of helped me in this area and she collected it in a book and it was it was called morbid curiosity cures the blues Yes, I do. Yeah, it it it, it's just um. There's something. There's something freeing around it all that, like. It's okay. These things exist. You can look. You can be uncomfortable. You can spend time. You can read these stories. You can hear people talking about these things. And it is not easy. It's about as difficult as you can imagine, maybe at points. But um, I think there's something about you doing that and that type of curiosity and, and wonder about the discomfort, which for me is, is, is a good process to encourage and, um, uh, mm-hmm. best, best, the best of luck, everybody check this Thank out you. and, um, uh, you know, just, just hope, hopefully kill it, kill it over on Broadway. Yeah. Right. Like literally, yeah, like yeah. literally, I guess.
0: <laughs> I, I, I would, yeah, literally. And, and I would love to do that. I'm not sure if it's, uh, you know, most people have, well, what I'd like to do with it is to make discussions around death normal and so uh, so however it goes, whether it's Broadway or theaters across the country, if we could start talking about what we're something, an act, we're all gonna do. We are all going to die. So if we could start talking about it, not be so afraid of it and embrace the beauty around it, I think it'll help us all really. Um, but thank you so much. I just really enjoyed talking with you. And um, uh, I love your topics and, and creativity is, uh, you yeah, know, makes me smile. I love it. Thank you.
1: It makes me smile too. Thank you so much, uh, Elizabeth. And um, I, I will say this in, in, in conclusion is that, you know, I definitely want to, Uh, uh, make, make it, uh, out east. And it makes it a little bit, you know, to, to, to visit and such. And, uh, I start mm. thinking about Broadway. I start thinking about New York City. I'm up in Rhode Island, <laughs> but I know once I get out that way, I can take the train down to New yes. York City. So um, it, uh, it I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully make it over uh, that yes. way. And uh, and I know you're uh, you, you're based uh, just as far as folks for the show, uh, the show being based out in Oregon. I believe, uh, Elizabeth, you're based in up in Seattle, not too far I'm, north of I'm where I am. based in Seattle, Washington. Yes, yes.
0: And we've yeah. actually done quite a few productions of Green, dialogues out there and hopefully we'll do another production this coming in this coming year when I'm back in Seattle
1: so that would be that's, great that's great to hear uh love love to Seattle I uh I I am a transplant to Oregon so a lot of times I, I don't I don't dig into rivalries or city rivalries I just like <laughs> I'm like I'm like I don't, I don't, I don't have that bag. So, like, I, uh, I adore yeah. Seattle. I adore oh, Portland. I adore Seattle sports teams. I adore oh, Portland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah. Thanks again, Elizabeth. And um, best of luck with everything.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This is Something Rather
1: Than Nothing. And listeners, to stay connected with us and our guests, visit somethingratherthannothing.com. Join our mailing list for exclusive updates and access to guest-created art. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode, please like, subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform. People really read that shit. Your support helps us reach more listeners and spread our community across the planet. This is a global show, and we like to give a shout out to our many listeners across the world, including many listeners in Canada, Spain, Germany, UK, Argentina, Brazil, India, Thailand, and so many more places. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Something Rather Than Nothing Podcast for behind-the-scenes content. And the best way to help the show is to tell your friends about us. If you love it, they'll love it too. Tell your friends who love it. We love you. This is Something Rather Than Nothing podcast.